This program is sponsored by FlatFeeForMeds.com. My wife and I are nearing retirement, and the prescriptions are starting to add up. Now I get my meds for one small monthly pharmacy fee and have enough money left over for Friday night date night with the missus. 90% of all prescriptions are covered. Check for yours at flatfeeformeds.com. Check it out if you want to save money on your prescriptions, flatfeeformeds.com. Once again, flatfeeformeds.com and save money on your prescriptions. All right, my favorite, one of my favorite segments of the week is What's Trending on Social, where we take a look at sort of a, I don't know, kind of like a uh, overview of what the national consciousness is as we pull. Uh, Here's one as we head into an increasingly exciting several weekends of great football. I'm such a big fan of great football. Boy, what what a week we had last week. Some real disappointments. I'm sorry to the Cowboys and uh, well, but it was a good game, and it was kind of. It's always nice to see the underdogs win. I, I just think that's one of the great things. Whether you're on that team or you're for that team, I, I just think it's always good when the underdog wins because that's the unexpected, right? That's the spontaneity of life asserting itself, saying, "See, you thought you knew it was going to happen, but it didn't quite turn out that way, did it?" Anyway, so lots of disappointment, but lots of happy people around too. But here's here's a man, I believe its name is Ron Golden, the world according to Ron Golden. Take a look, listen to this. Broke people watching a football game. To me, that is as dumb as a box of rocks. For a person to be broke and watch a football game or a basketball game or a golf tournament, you're watching somebody else win when you're losing. How could that possibly be interesting to you? Unless you're studying how to win. And then you're delusional enough to call those people on that team your team. They might be your team, but you ain't their team. Is that too tough? Am I swinging too hard first thing in the morning? Myron, don't you want to see them? No, I don't want to see them. I want to be them. I want somebody watching me play games for money on TV. That's what I want. I'm broke, and I want to watch somebody get paid $30,000 to play a game, and I'm broke trying to figure out how to pay my light bill. But I'm getting excited because my team won. No, you are making your team lose because your real team is your family. Broke people watching TV. Child, please. When I was broke, I didn't have a TV. Why? I'm not going to watch other people live their dreams while I'm living a nightmare. I'm going to learn something to turn this night into a dream come true i'm gonna learn something i didn't know yeah consider buzzkill that's that's my word come on man you know that's one of the fun things in life you work hard you make a make your bread you pay your rent and watch tv on weekends and get that great entertainment what's wrong with you there's nothing wrong with watching sports all right so here's uh here's a man who again this is the national consciousness right people just from around the country expressing their views here's a guy who lives in montana and, and he has a response to those folks over there talking about climate change at Davos. Take a listen. It's a fine morning here in Montana. It's uh, 30 degrees below zero. And I'm standing in the Judith Gap, which is in the central part of the state. Uh, the reason I stopped here today is I wanted everybody to see one of the things that I talk about Natural Resource Committee all the time. And that is renewable energy does not work when it's 30 degrees below zero. Wind turbines don't turn, folks. I would say that it's pretty necessary to have energy on a day like this so that you can keep your your home heated, okay? But I'm standing in the middle of a wind farm, and I'm telling you right now, you can see with your own eyes that there is not a single solitary one of these wind turbines that is turning. 
Yeah, see, that's the whole point that these eco-climate activists forget. Uh, when there's a power outage, windstorm comes through New Hampshire, knocks down a bunch of trees. What do you think is going to happen when the only available way to remove those trees is electric vehicles that have to be charged and they have to go out? It's going to take much longer. And I've been bringing up this point. I brought this point up back when I was a victim of Hurricane Ian a little more than a year ago where everybody lost everything. We were without power for two, three days. Nobody was clamoring for electricity. They were clamoring for gasoline. And the trucks rolled in from all points northward coming in. That never would have happened if there hadn't been fossil fuels. And I'm just telling people, same with the earthquakes in Turkey a few years ago. All those rescue operations, they don't happen when you're dealing with electric vehicles. These people, they're just crazy. I'll tell you something. Over in Germany, I'm going to let you listen to this. This is the sound of thousands and thousands of truckers and German citizens protesting their government over climate change agenda. Thousands, thousands, the street, as far as the eye can see. I don't know what they're saying, but they're protesting. They're protesting against their government for raising the price of taxes on fuel, making it unbearable for these people to produce and make money. And they're doing it under the guise of uh, saving the planet. And what's interesting is that that has not been reported by any U.S. news media. Have you seen it? Maybe you might see it. Maybe a closing segment. But that's now spreading to France. And France is over there. And they're saying enough is enough. Our electric bills are through the roof. We're having blackouts. It's not sustainable. But meanwhile, here's a person by the name of Jojo Meta, or Meta, who was over at the World Economic Forum Listen to this woman's diatribe about how people should be charged with murder because they're destroying the planet. Take a listen to this nut. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, but legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, and that, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Um, and so, and, and you know, unlike a, an international crime like genocide that in, involves a specific intent, with ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do, is make money, is you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are um, you know producing energy and so on, um, as well. But what's it, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage that happens with that. God, such arrogance. You know, just such arrogance. And I suppose if you slap on an Upper East Side English accent and throw out a bunch of uh, platitudes, you can pretty much sound like fairly convincing that somehow you're a very intelligent person and you've, you've figured it all out and, you, and now you want to charge your fellow human beings with ecocide a serious offense where you're murdering the planet uh, just because you want to feed your family. And these people, they're, they're so cushioned in their, in their life experience that they have no idea what true hardship really is. And yet they want to make 
you suffer because of their ideology, their blind, cultish ideology. Two points to make. Number one, if you go to the podcast Coronavirus Update with Jim Watkins, which is my podcast that I do once a week, updates you on news from COVID, I have posted an interview with a, a very smart man by the name of Dr. Willie Soon. Dr. Willie Soon is a is one of the world's most sought-after uh, astrophysicists, and he knows a thing or two about environment and climate laws and all these things, and he spills the beans. And if you want to listen to 15 minutes of this man speak to the, to the notion of climate change, I invite you to check out that podcast. And again, you could just Google search coronavirus update Jim Watkins and the most recent podcast is the interview with Dr. Willie Soon. If you want to read some of his writings, go to his website, which is Cirrus, I'll spell it for you, uh, CirrusScience.com. And it's C-E-R-E-S hyphen science.com. And there's a whole retinue of articles that dispel a lot of these current uh, issues that are being propagandized to us, uh, trying to get us to do a, a number of things that are just really not scientific at all whatsoever. And he tackles a lot of these issues, a very smart man. Anyway, we may even play a clip of that at some point. Uh, I want to get on. Here's a, here's an interesting comment. If you're a history uh, buff, listen to this man sort of explain where we are in the human evolutionary timeline. Take a listen to this. It's it's food for thought, but he makes an interesting point about where we are now in the 21st century compared to where we were, say, one or two centuries ago. This is the last phase of European colonization. And uh, notice that the countries that are most strongly in support of Israel are not just the United States. It's the United States, Australia, and Canada. The offshoots of England, Anglosphere are sometimes called, unusual forms of imperialism. These are settler colonial societies, societies in which the, not like India, not like the British in India, say, societies in South Africa is a little like this, or Algeria under the French. Settler colonial societies in which the settlers came in essentially eliminated the native population, also driven by uh, religious principles, very religious groups driven by Christian Zionism. Those are major cultural factors. So, you know, uh, pragmatically speaking, where are we headed? What's next? What's the next phase? Well, the the people that are in charge today, the woke, uh, it's all about not being offended. So I thought in a tribute to them, I would play this last clip as we exit out of this edition of Speaking Out with Jim Watkins. Political correctness is the oppression of our intellectual movement, so no one says anything anymore in case somebody else gets offended. <laughs> what happens if you say that and someone gets offended? <laughs> well, they can be offended. Huh? <laughs> What's wrong with being offended? When did sticks and stones made break my bones stop being relevant? <laughs> Isn't that what you teach children, for God's sake? That's what you teach toddlers. He called me an idiot. Don't worry about him. He's a dick. <laughs> Now you have adults going, I was offended, I was offended, and I have rights. <laughs> well, so what? Be offended. Nothing happens. You're an adult. Grow up. Deal with it. <laughs> I was offended. I don't care. <laughs> I want to live in democracy, but I never want to be offended again. Well, you're an idiot. 
<laughs> How do you make a law about offending people? How do you make it an offence to offend people? Being offended is subjective. That has everything to do with you as an individual, or a collective, or a group, or a society, or a community. Your moral conditioning, your religious beliefs, what offends me may not offend you. And you want to make laws about this? I'm offended when I see boy bands, for God's sake. <laughs>